0: Good morning. Uh, It's great to be here in person with so many of you. And for those who are joining us online or will be watching at a later time this week, I just want to say a special hello to you as well. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And I know I say this when I get a chance to be up here, but I'm really looking forward to the time that you and I are going to share together. Knowing that our students were going to be more active this weekend because of the cookie fundraiser and during first service, we actually had a child dedication. Uh, Pastor Craig gave me the green light to go ahead and pause our Abraham series and uh, to focus on something a little bit different. And so together today, we will be exploring the power of influence and a believer's responsibility to wield it in this world correctly. To help get things going, let me ask us a question. Can you think back to a time in your life where you were influenced to do something that you would have never thought to yourself that you would ever do, and you would come to regret it? Anybody? I have, like, that's my life. Uh, I have a long list of these moments, but let me tell you about a specific one, a a physically painful one. In high school, I was a three-sport athlete, which sounds impressive, but it was cross-country, indoor, and outdoor track, so, not that impressive. Well, shocking to most, I was my local school's leading shot putter. I won uh, consecutive section five titles. I went to New York state state meets and actually held onto a record for a few years. I brought along a picture of me in high school. It's been about 17 years ago now. Um, that tells you everything about high school, Brian, that you need to know. Overly confident, innovative hair styling, and kind of in shape. Uh, Throughout my track and field career, I had an old school lifting coach that really believed in this mantra that the best way to build muscle was to break down muscle. So on the bench press, which I guess was one of the only forms of lifting for a shot putter that you could do, uh, we were taught to do resistance training. And, and it might be something different that you call it, but what we were instructed to do was we would put more weight on the bar than we could actually physically lift. And then with the spotters help, we'd get the weight up onto ourselves and then they let go. And you would just, I mean, as slowly as you could bring it down on your own and then the spotter would help bring you up and you would just break your muscle so it would grow back stronger, I guess. well. By my senior year, believe it or not, I had 300 pounds on the bench press bar, 300 pounds. I should say the bar weighs like 40, so 300 pounds total. If you know anything about lifting or just by examining my body and my frame, you would know that this is a horrible idea, a horribly dangerous idea. But I was in high school and high schoolers live for the horribly dangerous ideas And so I graduated in glory and I finished out my track and field career and launched myself into the books at college, forgetting about the gym altogether. So fast forward three years, I'm now a junior in college. I have allowed myself to get out of shape. And one summer, my younger brother Kyle and I decided to grab some local gym memberships and to get ourselves you know, physically fit again. And it was very obvious on just the first two weeks that I was working out, of how out of shape I had become. I should let you know I've already introduced you to my brother Kyle, my younger brother. He was also a shot putter two years behind me at Victor and uh, we would lift together a lot. So we had some experience doing that. Now, uh, it was at this moment in my life where I was influenced to do something that I would have never thought I would ever do and it came from the influence of my brother. Only after two weeks of being back in the gym, he hatched an idea that he planted into my brain he said, uh, hey, you remember back in the day when uh, we put 300 pounds on and you would show off in the weight room by doing a slow resistance? That was pretty cool, right? I was like, yeah, that was really cool. He's like, let's do it again right now. And I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. I've only, I'm really out of shape. And he's like, no, you got this. You got this. Uh, trust me. And so he began to put the 45 pound weights on each side and I kept resisting and kept resisting. But as he began to increase the weight, it did look really good and there were a lot of people watching. And so I gave way to his influence and finally I agreed and I crawled under the bar. He was my spotter. And so on the count of three, We picked up the bar together and I could feel under the cold steel, just the sheer weight, just like shaking my arms apart. And I gripped as tightly as I could. He said, you ready? I nodded and he let go. I told you that at the beginning of today, we would be exploring the power of influence in a believer's life and the responsibility to wield it correctly. This is our main focus. So this will be what will become our big idea for the morning. And that's that what has control of our hearts controls our actions and our influence. What has control of our heart controls our actions and our influence. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to meet me in Romans chapter 10. In this particular section of scripture, Paul's writing to the Romans and he's speaking specifically to his Jewish audience. He is concerned for their spiritual health and well-being. So he's clarifying their understanding of God and ultimately his plan for them as believers. And since we too are sitting here and we're reading from the living and active word of God, we are an extension of his audience this morning. And so we will discover that what controls our heart controls our influence and our actions. So we'll go ahead and we'll start in Romans chapter 10, coincidentally, verse 10. We're gonna read a couple of verses and then we'll talk about it. Paul says this, or writes this, for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So perhaps you're sitting here and you're like I've heard these verses. I've heard this before. Or this is the first time that you've ever heard this verse. Whatever your frequency of the verse may be, they remain extremely important to our understanding of the Christian faith. Paul says in verse 10 again, "For with the heart one believes and is justified. They're made right with God, and with the mouth one confesses and they are saved. For with the heart one believes." I know we've talked about this before, but the English word that we get as heart is the best we can do, but this, in its original Greek language, this word heart really means the soul or mind. It's your foundation, the seat of all of your thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. The word that we translate as heart is symbolic of your core. It's the everything in you your thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. And then the word mouth that we get really translates as it's, it's the heart, it's your, your everything's verbal utterances of what it believes. And so the mouth speaks what the heart believes. So why is this so important to talk about and address this morning? Well, A person is saved if their heart, if their everything believes and with their mouth talks of this belief of Jesus Christ as the son of God who they now understand is the only way to live life. He's the only truth in this life and he's the only way to the path to this kind of life. A person is saved if their heart believes and their mouth speaks of this Jesus who's their friend, Lord, and Savior, who was innocently put to death as their sacrifice, who was placed into a tomb to rot as they ought, but on the third day defeated death and grants eternity to all who believe Salvation through belief in Jesus is deliverance from sin that enslaves and destroys us, friends. It's reconciliation to the God who created and who loves us. It's life that's liberating us from the hurts, habits, and hangups that we experience in a fallen world. It's freedom in the truest sense. It's awesome. And so who can experience this saved life? Who has access to it? Paul in verses 12 and 13, he says, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The invitation to call on the name of the Lord is available to all people. It's available to you listening here right now if you have never made that decision, if you have never placed your hope, your everything and belief of Christ, it's available to you. And if you have come to a place where you have your heart believes in Jesus and you are here as Christian, then Jesus became or should have become your primary influence since at that moment, you understood that you are not a very good life leader and you need a savior to rescue you from yourself. Let me say it another way. Everything a believer does should now be influenced by Jesus since they believe. What a believer thinks about What they post online, how they interact with their coworkers, how they talk and treat their teachers, what they're looking at on their phones when nobody else is around, how they handle themselves when they're provoked to anger. It all goes back to the heart's belief in Jesus and their mouth's confession of him. Jesus needs to be the primary influencer of a Christian's life. It's simple. You guys got it? We understand? Let's pray and get out of here. I get it. It's, it's really easy for me to stand up here and communicate this to you. It's even simple to understand the concept, but it is so darn hard to apply it. But just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's any less critical. It takes us to a really important point. A believer needs to fight to keep Jesus as our primary influence For a believer, they understand that Jesus equals not only eternal life when our physical bodies die out, whenever that may be, but we experience the life we were created to live in the kingdom of heaven that God has established today. There is no better way to live life than how we were created to live. And that way of life is found when our heart believes and we are put in right relationship with God and that's only made possible because of Jesus. Life in Jesus is the reward of a believer. We must fight to keep Jesus as our primary influence. Now notice how I've been using the word primary really intentionally because it would be absurd to think that Jesus could be our only influence. It's not possible because we live in a world today where I'll I'll bet it's tens, hundreds, if not thousands of influences are being pressed upon us daily. But primary influence means that Jesus is last stop. He's the lens in, through in which we see the world. He's the filter of all those secondary influences in our lives. And so if you're a believer, your heart believes that Jesus is Lord and your mouth has confessed that to be true, let me ask you a question. How's it going in keeping Jesus as your primary influence? How's it going in, ke- in keeping Jesus as your primary influence? The answer to this question is not hard to come up with. Because what controls your heart controls your actions and your influences. So all you have to do to think about your heart's condition and where Jesus is in your life is think about the actions of which your life has taken you in just the past week. It'll give you a clear picture of Jesus is primary or if you've shoved him off as secondary. Did your actions this past week align with your professed faith and belief and the call that Jesus has put on your life? Think about the conversations that you were a part of. How did you contribute to them? What kind of content did you let your eyes consume? How did you love your neighbor well? Did you serve as Jesus calls us to serve? What has control of our heart controls our actions and our influence. If Jesus is not our primary, then something else is. And that thing has now control of your heart and your actions and all of your influence that you proceed out to others is now dictated by that thing. If Jesus has become secondary, and if you're a believer in here, it's time to sound the alarm. We must fight to keep Jesus as our primary influence because there is much danger lurking about let me tell you how dangerous secondary influences or just bad influences can be on one's life by taking you back to that cold metal bar that combined 300 pounds on it. My hands were tightly clenched around that weight and my arms were shaking. As a refresher, I had not been to a gym in three years and now I was staring down this ridiculous amount of weight. Keep in mind again that this idea was implanted by my brother into my head and it was because of his influence that I crawled underneath that bar. And in that moment, Kyle's voice, he was primary, and it controlled my actions. I was, I was influenced by his, his uh, words. So Kyle, he asked if I was ready. The bar is sitting there shaking. I nodded, and he let go. Now, I'll, I just want to pause. We have uh, Red Cross Blood Drives that meet here like every other week, and I have to avoid any space that smells like the blood drive because I don't do well with anything medical. My legs get really queasy and I just don't like it. So even telling you what happens next is making me wanna pass out here, all right? I can't describe and I don't want to describe. The first thing that happened with the bargo is was this awful sound of cartilage shredding out the back of my left shoulder as it was violently ripped and dislocated. In an instant, I was in such pain that I let go of the bar altogether. Now 300 pounds coming down, uh, if you're good at math, that can hurt. Um, My brother Kyle, this goes to show how strong he is, he caught the bar and out of sheer adrenaline he was able to lift it back up and get it into position. And now I lay there in agonizing pain. My body permanently altered and in need of reconstructive surgery because of bad influence. Now, I know that Kyle's not listening to this right now, but I'm sure he's felt me toss him under the bus a couple of times as I have uh, done so. Was it his idea? Absolutely. Was he persuasive? Yes. But he did not make me get under that bar. He did not make me listen to him. He didn't force me to try it. Instead, I allowed his influence to take root in me. Kyle, it wasn't your fault, it was my own. Believer, if you are here and if you have allowed what should be secondary or I'll say non-existent influences into your life and they have become primary, that's on you. Sounds harsh, but it's on you. You have allowed that and I'm willing to bet that you are paying the price for it. When Jesus's voice is not the primary influence, we find ourselves in some pretty tough situations that can permanently affect our lives. But praise be to God that we see in his word and we've seen through our own experience that he is a expert surgeon and he can repair you through the forgiveness of sin and the restoration to bring you back to life in him. But if that's going to happen, We need to somehow mute or remove the other influences, remove them from primary and put Jesus back in his rightful place. Because there, all of our thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors will again be filtered through the lens of Christ, the one in whom our heart believes and our mouth confesses to be true. And so with this understanding, let's jump back into Paul's letter because he makes a pretty convincing argument. It's actually a call to action for those that have allowed Jesus to become primary influence in their lives. We'll start in verse 13, read 14. He says, "'For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord "'will be saved. "'How then will they call on him "'in whom they have not believed? "'And how are they to believe in him "'of whom they have never heard? "'And how are they to hear without someone preaching?' We'll pause right there. We just spend a lot of time talking about what I would say are the fundamentals of Christianity. We are saved when we believe with our whole heart and it's confessed with our mouth that Jesus is everything that scripture says he is. And this kind of belief requires that Jesus assume primary influence in our life, which makes a person truly alive. Like I said, both in this life and in the one to come for all eternity. And this kind of a life is available to who? everyone. It's available to everyone. It sounds fantastic and it is fantastic. Everyone can have a life in Christ that you too experience if you are here as believer. But Paul raises some really logical questions. He says, how can everyone call on the name of the Lord if they don't believe? And how can they believe if they've actually never even heard about Jesus And how can they hear about Jesus unless somebody is transferring information about him to them? Information about who Jesus is has to be transferred to someone else. Once they hear, then they can believe. Once they believe, then they can call on him. And once they call on him, then they can be saved. One can't be saved unless they call on the name of the Lord. And they cannot call unless they believe and they they cannot believe unless they hear about it and they cannot hear about it unless someone's talking about it. Which brings us to our second point. People will not know of Jesus's influence unless somebody is telling them about it. This one again, straightforward in understanding, even in its simplicity, but very difficult in application. It's much easier for me, in my opinion, Still challenging, but it's much easier to show my belief through physical actions. Christians should be noticed in this world for how they act 24 slash seven slash 365. A Christian should show the fruits of the spirit. They should be known for their kindness, gentleness, self-control, their love, joy, peace, patience, generosity, and faithfulness. The world should see this and notice it. But actions alone are not enough to lead someone to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and the hopes that they would be able to call upon him and be saved themselves. They need to be verbally told. Information has to be transferred. Christians need to be speaking the good news to them because people will not know of Jesus's influence unless somebody is telling them. We're gonna finish out the last verse that we're gonna be talking about together, found in 15. Paul says, Paul says, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Paul, who again is speaking to a believing but struggling audience, makes kind of a significant statement. People will not believe in Jesus unless people hear about him. And people will not hear about him unless people are talking about him. And finally, people will not be talking about Jesus unless they physically move their feet go out into the world and find lost people to share not just the good news, I'll argue the best news. The news that has now transformed their life and Jesus is now primary and dictating everything. And Paul says, man, how beautiful are the feet of those who go and share the good news with others. Friends, the invitation to call upon Jesus as savior is there for everyone because it's for everyone. The rich, the poor, the widowed, the married, the single, the divorced, the Democrat, the Republican, all skin tones, the atheist, the Muslim, and even, yes, the Patriot fans. (laughs) But perhaps why someone has never called upon the name of the Lord is not because they don't believe, but maybe it's because they just don't know. This very uh, community, Pastor Craig talks a lot about this as a staff, we're seeing second and third generations of non-believers who have never actually heard the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. Or maybe they have, but they heard a corrupt and false version of a gospel that did not lead them anywhere close to belief of heart. Perhaps they stumbled upon a heretical televangelist or a prosperity teacher Or they've listened to a politician who leverages God for votes. Or they were the victim of a horrible experience of somebody who claimed religion but used it for such extreme evil against them. We can't assume that if someone's not walking with God, it's because they've chosen not to believe in him. That's not fair to them. In fact, it's the very opposite of what Paul's plea here to the Roman is, Romans are. It's absolutely possible, I should address this, it's absolutely possible though for someone to be so hardened of heart and so prideful that when they hear the good news that they willingly reject their savior. It happens, it's very possible it happens. It breaks the heart of God and it should also break ours. But listen again to verse 12. He says, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. Believers who fight to keep Jesus as their primary influence have their hearts now controlled by God, their actions are controlled by God, and their influence towards others are now controlled by him. And this takes us to our third and final point, and that's this. Life in Jesus is the best way to live life. And if that's true, and if you believe that, then we have to go and influence others to see that. Today, we've been reminded of our need to go into the world, actively into our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, wherever God has you as we scatter throughout this community and to be ready to share the good news. The good news that has changed our life forever is the same news that we get to share with those that do not know God because they deserve a chance to be found too. I mentioned earlier that this is is really hard to do. There's many social factors at play, including our own securities, our schedules, our priorities, and quite frankly, the work of the enemy, Satan, who restricts us at any chance we can to stop us from transferring the knowledge of Jesus with others. So if this seems terrifying to you, join the club. I'm right there with you. But the first thing that I would recommend is if you have a secondary or a non-existent influence as your primary, you need to settle that Today, You need to get that figured out and get Jesus back as your primary. Because once Jesus is back as your primary, then again, your heart, uh, your attention, your affections, your appetites, your desires, everything is now looking through the lens of that. You can go to him in prayer and ask God, you know, where am I going today? Ask him to give you opportunities to talk to friends, to coworkers, our teachers, our neighbors. We don't have to be weird about it. Ask God to give you the courage to share if he opens an opportunity that this news that you receive, that your heart believes and your tongue confesses, it's radically changed your life. It's the best thing that's ever happened to you. You know, I think you should explore it too. It's good news for you too. I mean, it doesn't have to be crazy. If we believe that life in Jesus is the best way to live life, then we must go and influence others to see that. If we do not believe this, then we have an influence in balance and we need to get it sorted out ASAP. One of the uh, things that I personally love about being a part of a local church like Crosswinds is that we are a community of faith who are kind of banded together. Craig uses the term church family a lot, but we're on the same mission. The same God has given us the same mission. It is all together that we move our feet to speak the good news, and we are called to be influencers that draw people closer to the living God. And so, as a community, we understand the necessity of what we call ministry. We believe that God, should, uh, we believe that we should be actively sharing the good news with all whom God will allow us to in our lives. But as a local church, as Crossman specifically, we have a long and current history of creating environments where everyone from the community is welcome to journey with us for the purpose of sharing and hearing about the good news. For instance, this service is a great example. It's an opportunity, it's an environment where everyone is welcome to come, and there quite possibly could be somebody here today who has never actually heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this environment allowed that to happen. It happens all the time. There's many other environments that are created around here where kids, teens, and adults can get together, the word of God can be spoken, and spiritual journeys can continue on together. These environments or these ministries of Crosswinds, they're not designed in any way to remove the work that God has called the save to do, but they provide fantastic opportunities for believers to get the good news to everyone. But if we could just have some, some honest conversation, we have a problem here at Crosswinds. We're lacking the feet we don't seem to have enough voices that are being sent into these ministry environments to share the wonderful news of a life-changing Savior. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back out uh, and to prepare. What I love about, uh, what, I, what I'm about to tell you, what I'm about to share with you, it's not designed to be a guilt trip in any sense of the fashion. Rather, as we've done so far, we've relayed some facts and I'm gonna relay some more facts to you as we've done and then we're gonna give just some time, some space, where we can, you can sit, stand, kneel, pace, sing, whatever you want, in reflection of what God's next step for you might be. I know we've hammered this point a lot, but today for, for some of you, the invitation to call upon the name of the Lord, it's for you, it's for everyone. And so today could be the moment where in your heart, You finally believe and your tongue confesses that Jesus is worthy to be your primary. And if you are ready to make that decision, that choice, do it today. For those that have already placed their belief and their heart believes in Jesus, where are you at with him today? Is he your primary or has he become your secondary? And if he's your secondary, we gotta get him back into the primary slot what has control of our heart, controls our actions and influence. Right now, I know that Pastor Chris has a growing list of people who have said yes to Jesus, who are new to faith and they're asking, they're pleading for people to come alongside of them and to show them how to operate in this crazy world as a Christian man or woman. But we don't have enough people to pair them with. On Wednesday evenings, we're seeing two to three new teens walking through our doors here a week. And I'm telling you, many of them don't know a single thing about the gospel. And yet God is stirring something in them. They're showing up to learn about the good news, but our workers are few. As I speak in kids ministry, I know that there's a small group happening for our kindergarten through second grade that probably has close to 20 kids in it. That's not a small group, friends. Those groups can be broken down and so that those kids can be connected to their leaders in a unique way and that the gospel and that the good news can be shared and administered. Camera operator on a weekend tech team ensures that hundreds of people can watch our services and hear the word preached faithfully week to week. But I know that feet are sparse there too. Our door greeter is the first person that a nervous child, teen or adult will meet here and they will set the stage for continued engagement. It is scary. Be new showing up to a community of faith. But we need more feet going to those places. I love Crosswinds and I love you. And if you have been around here a little bit and you've heard a little of my story, you'll know that Crosswinds is not just a, a place that I get to be employed by, it's a place that has changed everything for me. It was in seventh grade, right here at Crosswinds, where I believed in my heart and confessed with my tongue that Jesus was Lord and Jesus for the first time my life became primary in seventh grade. And that was made possible because just a few believers were faithful. They moved their feet. They showed up consistently in my life. They transferred knowledge of who Jesus was to me and they showed it in their actions because of those faithful feats. I said, yes. And Jesus as primary has changed everything for me. I would go on to stumble and there's many moments, even currently where Jesus was secondary, but this faithful community of believers has always been feet there to help me get my priorities straight. What has control of our heart controls our actions and our influence. If Jesus has control of your heart, how are you allowing him to control your feet? Are you even allowing him to send you into the world or are you muting that part of his influence? When you sat down, you would have received, uh, there's a card near you, looks like this. It's two-sided. This is simply just to get you some information about ways in which you can immediately get involved in the lives of teens, students, and adults. And you can be put in situations where God would give you opportunities to share the good news. On one side, information about SummerServe. This is a fantastic, simple way to sign up for a couple times this summer, get some kids' ministry experience and be a part of some small groups where hungry kids are anxious to learn about God and you could be a part of that experience. On the other side is simply sending you to our serving section on our website that shows you all the awesome ministry opportunities that we have for all different types of skills and abilities here. I would love to just pray over this moment. I told you we're gonna spend some time in reflection and I'm gonna pray that God makes it uncomfortable for us. I think we should give God permission to search our hearts, to allow him to rebuke us or correct us or train us or reveal something going on in our lives to maybe get him back as primary or make him primary for the first time or to give us a next step to actually go out and put what we've learned into practice through service. I wanna ask him that he would reveal to us the next step before we leave this place. And however you wanna respond during just this next song is that's on you. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for your word. There are many times when we read through it, There are just such encouraging things that we find and just always impressed with your love for us, uh, unconditional love, and uh, just how you, you chase us down over and over. And the invitation to come to you is always there. And I thank you for scriptures like we read today that are, are challenging God. And they force us to be reflective of, of what do we actually believe? And where are you in that belief? And if we claim belief in you, what kind of position do you have in our heart? God, you desire and, and are uh, nothing less than uh, the person that, receive, that would require full primary control of our hearts. You deserve that, you expect that. And so if we're here today as I have recently and I have put you into that primary uh, secondary position, God, then we just cry out in forgiveness and apologize for that. God, would you restore us through the forgiveness of sin? Would you help us to put you back as primary in our lives? And then God, would you help us step out in faith and find who in this world we need to share the good news with. There are so many lost and broken people who do not know that there is a God who created them, who loves them, who cares for them, and who died for them so that they didn't have to slug through this life but could live life the way they were created to live. And so God, is praying, inviting you to be a part of this space as you already are, but be a part of our hearts. Search us, God, and reveal.